F-E-A-R. What's that spell? I'm afraid so. Fear. It's all around us. It's within us. There's more fear to go around than would be enough for every man, woman, and child on the face of the planet two times over. We learn it from the time we are tiny little children. Right? Fear of the darkness. Fear of what's under the bed. What's in the closet. Fear of monsters. So let's hear a little song from Tom Hunter, a UCC minister who writes a folk song about it for his children. Ghosts are on the wall. Why do you keep on telling me there's nothing there at all? I know they're there as clear to me as the end every night. All I want is when I'm scared you come and hold me tight. There's a monster in the closet. The ghosts are on the wall. Why do you keep on telling me there's nothing there at all? I know they're there as clear to me as the end every night. And all A young boy was scared and was whimpering, and his father could hear him, so he went in and said, what's wrong? And he said, there's a monster in my room. And his dad went over to the light switch and turned it on, and and he said, look, see, there's no monster in here. And that didn't reassure the little boy at all. He said, Dad, they only come out in the dark. (laughs) What is it that scares children of the dark or the unknown. And then as as kids get older, the fear changes from monsters to, by adolescence, junior high school or so, fear of appearing foolish, fear of failure. And so peer pressure creeps in to do things and even say things we wouldn't normally do, but we have to because of our fears. And then at some point, the concept of death comes in, and we begin to fear death. But these fears aren't limited to childhood and adolescence. We carry those fears of appearing to be foolish, of failing, of death. We carry those all the way into adulthood. Fear has been prevalent throughout human history. Some fear is appropriate. Otherwise, the human race would not have survived. But fear is there throughout recorded human history. And it's it's in the Bible. It starts early in the book of Genesis. Adam is afraid that he'll be discovered after eating the forbidden fruit, that God will discover him. And then in the Exodus story, when they're out in the wilderness and they don't know what's going to happen and it's scary out in the wilderness, some, their fear overtakes them and they they yearn to go back to Egypt. They'd rather know 
the regular suffering of living in bondage and having three square meals a day than to have to live with the uncertainty and fear of living in the wilderness. That fear is throughout the Bible. So let's fast forward into today's world. There are hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not billions of people, who live in fear regularly. Those who are hungry, truly hungry, and don't know how they're going to feed themselves, let alone their children. What war does, what natural disaster does, when people's homes are destroyed. And then there's, there's the fear of oppressive regimes, of racism, gender, of young girls being sold into the sex trade. There's just all kinds of things that cause people, real things that cause people to live in fear. Fear can be personal, very personal. It can be physical. It can have some kind of physical concern that's scaring the bejeebers out of us. It can be fear within a family, fear in a community, not even be feeling safe to walk outside. It can be national, it can be global. Think of climate change, think of all the things that can scare us and create fear. The waves within. We know, we can imagine a boat out on, out on the sea with a rough storm coming. We've seen movies. We've maybe been there ourselves on boats. We know what it's like when a storm is violent and rough and how threatening that can be. But think about your interior life and the waves within and the way fear can take over and the storms of life get lived out inside us. It's very scary. But fear can be societal. Fear can go across a whole nation, sweep across a nation. Fear is just everywhere, all the time. You think, Michael and I had not compared notes, but I mean, think about the last several months in the campaign and now the future unknown. Regardless of your political persuasion, we live in uncertain times. When there's not a lot of trust. In Beijing, they choke on the air. But in many places, people choke on an atmosphere of mistrust. This is Martin Luther King weekend. And here's what MLK had to say about fear. People fail in their relationships because people fear others. And people fear others because they don't know others. And people don't know others because they have not communicated with others. Now, I'm very pleased to say that this past Wednesday, as I mentioned in the announcements, we had a program on the Muslim faith. And 
for those who were there, we came to have a much better appreciation of that faith for which we don't know a whole lot about. And when we don't know a lot about something and we don't know people who are of that particular faith, it's easy to be fearful. And there's a great deal of fear in our country toward Muslims. We need to overcome these fears as we think about our relationship to our brothers and sisters here in the United States and around the world. Fear is a very real thing. You may not be feeling a lot of fear today. It's okay. But you know what I'm talking about when I talk about fear. Because we've all been there. Our scripture text deals with this. So we have Jesus in a boat. A great storm comes up. The waves are crashing in. And it wasn't a particular, it couldn't have been a particularly big boat. And it would have been thrashed about quite violently. And here's Jesus asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. It's kind of hard to imagine. He was either dead tired or we just don't know. And he wakes up. They say, don't you care that we're perishing? And he tells the wind. He rebukes it, much as he had rebuked the demons earlier in Mark's gospel. He rebukes the demon, tells it to be quiet and be still. And all of a sudden, the sea is still. And then he says to you, have you no faith? And the disciples are confused about who he is. Now, this is a really interesting story. It's, it's a powerful story. And we're not going to argue today as to whether or not that actually happened as the scriptures recount it. Because you could argue that, yes, it happened exactly that way. Or you could argue that, no, it, it couldn't have possibly happened that way. And, and the laws of nature aren't changed that way. And I'd like us not to get caught up in that argument. These are curious questions. I want you to entertain for just a quick moment the idea that in the same way that Jesus told parables, he told the story of the Good Samaritan. We don't debate whether there was really a Good Samaritan or not. We look for the truth in the story and how that story empowers us to live lives of greater faithfulness. And it may well be that the disciples told parables about Jesus. That the early church discovered they weren't concerned about facts as we're so caught up in, even though we live in a post-factual era. Kind of hard to get your head around that. But, um, but they weren't concerned about facts. They were concerned about faith. And who this Jesus was and what he meant. And so it's possible that they told parables about Jesus. And this was one of them. Because the early church, like the disciples in that boat, the early church was under great turmoil and stress from the Jews, from other religious factors, and from Rome. Don't forget, they were under the oppression of a foreign government. Not a particularly likable situation and they were under great stress and pressure and so here's this story about Jesus being able to calm it all 
and allay the fears and bring about trust. So as we think about moving from fear to trust and the waves within and all that life brings and throws at us, not to mention the worries we bring on ourselves in our interior lives, we need to remember what trust really is. One definition that I love about trust is the idea it's something you can lean your whole weight against. So that when you're unsteady on your feet or not able to stand firmly, but you need something else to hold you up like this piece of wood here, the further I start to go this way, the more I have to trust that that piece of wood is going to hold me. Right? Now think about that in terms of your soul. When your soul is feeling fearful, uncertain, unsteady. What can you lean your soul against in that kind of way with such assurance that you won't completely collapse and fall? And that reality is God. And the story tells us that. Robert Bridges said, Boundless is your love for me. Boundless then My trust shall be. Our trust in God. As the Old Testament lesson talks about, God is our refuge, a very present strength in trouble. That's real. And he talked about the seas and the mountains and the tumult and all the things that can shake around us and within us. But our trust, our trust is ultimately in God. And we have to discover that and grow in that over and over and over again. It's not a once and for all thing. It's a daily, regular part of our faithfulness and our discipleship to have that kind of trust. Last week, I know Michael helped us look at moving from from darkness to light, and the week before, we looked at moving from death to life. And as we look at moving from fear to trust, I want to help connect the dots and close with this thought. The one who stood at the gate of a new year looked at me and I said, Give me light that I may safely tread into the unknown. And he said, Go out. Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. And that shall be for you better than a light and safer than a known way. Friends, let's put our hands into the hand of God, knowing that as we get into our boats, and that boat had to continue on after Jesus calmed the storm, 
that as we get into the boat and keep moving on the journey of life, that we too can be part of that process of not just saying we trust God and not even just trusting God, but that we will live as Jesus' followers and be faithful to the message and gospel he sets us to be about, which is to care, truly care for one another. And all, not just some, but all of God's children. May it be so. And amen.